The World Headlines COVID-19 robs Olympic curlers of beloved social culture. There is a photograph from the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics that captured curling fans' hearts worldwide. In it, Canadian curler John Morris and American rival Matt Hamilton sit side by side, arms draped around each other's shoulders, grinning faces inches apart, beer cans mid-clink. It was a moment that perfectly captured the spirit of curling, a sport best known for its sweeping but perhaps best loved for its socializing. Yet it is a moment that will likely be impossible to repeat in the socially distanced world of the Beijing Games. One of the things I love about curling is being able to curl against my friends and then enjoy a weekend or a week around them, as well as playing cards and having a beer," said Morris, who won the gold medal in mixed doubles in Pyeongchang and is hoping to do the same in Beijing. That's the best part of curling. On the ice is great, and that accomplishes my competitive drive, but the actual going to cool places, playing with and against your friends, that's been really hard. Of all of COVID-19's cruelties, the necessity of distance has caused particular angst throughout the curling community. This is a sport built around closeness, from the pre-game handshakes between opponents, to the post-game drinking sessions, in which the winners typically buy the losers around. That tradition, dubbed broomstacking, for the original practice of opponents stacking their brooms in front of a fire after a game and sharing a drink, all but vanished after the coronavirus emerged. Curling competitions were cancelled. Ice rinks where the athletes trained were shut down. And curlers, like much of the world, were forced into isolation. The Beijing Games are taking place inside an accommodation and transport bubble that is cut off from the rest of the city. Russian attack on Ukraine possible any day, but diplomacy still option. Russia could invade Ukraine within days or weeks, but could still opt for a diplomatic path, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said on Sunday. We are in the window. Any day now, Russia could take military action against Ukraine, or it could be a couple of weeks from now, or Russia could choose to take the diplomatic path instead, Sullivan told the Fox News Sunday program. Sullivan made the comments in television interviews after two U.S. officials on Saturday said Russia, which seized Crimea from Ukraine in 2014, has in place about 70% of the combat power it believes it would need for a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. As Russia masses more than 100,000 troops near the border, Moscow has said it is not planning an invasion but could take unspecified military action if its security demands are not met. Those include a promise that NATO will never admit Ukraine, a demand the United States and the 30-nation Western Security Alliance have called unacceptable. Possible Russian action could include annexing Ukraine's Donbass region, where Russian-backed separatists broke away from Ukrainian government control in 2014, cyber attacks or a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Sullivan added, saying Russia could act as soon as Monday, though it could also be weeks. Workers at Bellevue-based Bungie worry Sony deal will bring layoffs, restructuring. For developers working at Bellevue-based game studio Bungie, last week started out even more atypically than most during these times of pandemic-prompted remote work. Early Monday, employees received a request to attend an ominous-sounding emergency virtual meeting. As the call began, employees were shocked to learn, at the same time as the public, that a chapter in the company's history was coming to an end. Bungie had been acquired by Sony, the Japanese entertainment and electronics company, for $3.6 billion. 
Though Bungie employees said leadership has assured them there will be absolutely no layoffs and nothing major in terms of restructuring once the Sony deal closes, the acquisition represents a notable shift for the game developers. For about the last 15 years, Bungie's business dealings have been marked by repeated pushes to regain independence, an anomaly in the video game industry. After being purchased by Microsoft in 2000, the game developer birthed the Halo franchise before splitting from the tech titan in 2007. In 2019, Bungie reached an agreement with its partner in a publishing deal since 2010, Activision Blizzard, to regain control of publishing rights to its Destiny series. For a studio that's striven to maintain creative freedom even while creating big-budget video games, the Sony buyout is a surprising turn, albeit one firmly in step with the industry's pivot toward consolidation, as best exemplified by Microsoft's $68.7 billion purchase of Activision Blizzard in January. Bungie employees who spoke with The Washington Post on the condition of anonymity since they were not authorized to discuss the deal with media expressed concern that Sony might cramp their style despite promises from leadership that the studio will continue to self-publish and be creatively independent. Qatar, Arbitrary Travel Bans Human Rights Watch Qatari state security authorities have imposed indefinite arbitrary travel bans against at least four citizens without a judicial process or a clear legal basis, Human Rights Watch and the Gulf Center for Human Rights GCHR, said today. State security forces arrested one of the men in October 2020 after he posted tweets criticizing arbitrary travel bans against himself and others, and he remains in detention. Human Rights Watch and GCHR interviewed three of the men and sources close to the fourth and reviewed relevant documents for all four, which revealed that state security authorities are applying the travel bans outside of any legal procedure, and in some cases effectively defying court orders. One man also suffered financial sanctions, including freezing of his bank accounts. These arbitrary sanctions have resulted in material and psychological harm to the men involved and their families. Imposing indefinite and arbitrary travel bans on citizens stands in stark contrast to the rights-respecting image that Qatari authorities have been working hard to present to the world, especially ahead of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, said Michael Page, Deputy Middle East Director at Human Rights Watch. Arbitrary state security actions diminish any confidence that Qatari authorities respect due process. A 2003 law that outlines the mandates, objectives, and powers of Qatar's state security apparatus grants the body extensive and near-unchecked executive powers. Under the law, the state security apparatus reports directly to the emir and has the unfettered power to conduct investigations, unless the emir orders otherwise. The law prohibits individuals and governmental and non-governmental groups from concealing information, of whatever nature, that is requested by the president of the state security apparatus or refusing to submit it to him. Hospitals are relying more on expensive travel nurses in a cycle that has no end in sight. Hospitals are relying more and more on expensive travel nurse agencies to fix staffing shortages, an issue that has been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's hurting their bottom line and alienating full-time nurses, healthcare industry experts say. For nearly two years, hospitals have continuously sourced nurses from external staffing and travel nurse agencies to fill the gaps created by the coronavirus pandemic. The use of travel nurses isn't new. Historically, hospitals have used travel nurse agencies to bolster their staff during times of high need. But COVID-19 has changed the frequency at which hospitals lean on external staffing help. 
Healthcare staffing shortages, which began years before the pandemic, are worsening because of the long and draining hours demanded by COVID-19. Each new surge of COVID-19 brings unprecedented patient volumes, putting more pressure on an already shrinking workforce. The need for nurses is higher than ever. Though hospitals normally go directly to staffing agencies to hire temporary workers, the staff shortages caused by COVID-19 led the state to step in at times. The state provided up to 1,000 travel nurses to North Texas at the height of the Omicron variant outbreak in January. By and large, all hospitals throughout the nation are looking for supplemental staffing. The demand exceeded the supply, said Steve Love, CEO and President of the Dallas-Fort Worth Hospital Council. You can go back to basic economics. What many of the staffing agencies did was raise their prices. Hospitals are stuck in a loop of paying more for temporary nurses, said Cindy Zalnirek, CEO of the Texas Nurses Association, which represents registered nurses across the state. It became this vicious cycle where you're chasing your tail and it's escalating, she said. Travel nurses make more on average than most nurses employed full-time at hospitals, as travel nurse agencies charge high premiums to fill staffing holes. U.S. Midterms Activists Brace for Renewed Fight Over Voting Rights With United States midterm elections scheduled for November, the struggle in Congress to pass federal voting rights legislation has left Democrats and election rights activists worried that time is running out for reforms. The honest-to-God answer is I don't know whether we can get this done, U.S. President Joe Biden told reporters earlier this month. As long as I'm in the White House, as long as I'm engaged at all, I'm going to be fighting. Despite exhaustive lobbying efforts, a failed attempt by Democrats to change long-standing Senate rules and a passionate appeal from Biden, Congress has been unable to pass major bills that supporters say would increase federal protections for voting. The inability of Congress to pass legislation that's updated for the 21st century is truly disappointing, Poiwinichikal, a staff attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center, told Al Jazeera. We are going to see an onslaught of election law changes that will especially have severe negative impacts for voters of color. Opponents argue that the legislation, which would set national standards for voting, gives the federal government too much power over local decisions. We don't need these bills because we don't need a federal election process. The states are doing a good job managing their elections, Jessica Anderson, executive director of the conservative group Heritage Action, told Al Jazeera. If Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, wants to have no early voting days and Georgia wants to have 21, that's great. That's for the states to choose. Americans are divided over how to approach this basic tenet of democracy. Conservatives say they fear fraud at the ballot box and want to ensure that elections are secure. But Democrats accuse Republicans of trying to make voting more difficult on purpose in order to disproportionately affect non-white voters. Why onshoring critical minerals mining to the global north isn't climate justice? Gas shortages in Asia and Europe. A climate investment package stalled in the U.S. Congress. The cost of renewable technologies ticking up worldwide after decades of steady decline. 2021 was the year the energy transition collided with snarled supply chains, all amid accelerating climate devastation and a brutal pandemic with no end in sight. Renewable energy and supply chains aren't phrases we often see side by side. 
This is in part because renewable energy sources like sun, wind, and geothermal are more evenly distributed across the earth than fossil fuels that must travel great distances to reach consumers. But harnessing carbon-free energy likewise requires globe-trotting processes of economic production. And this economic production begins with mined materials, lithium, cobalt, rare earth elements, graphite, iron, nickel, bauxite, and more. While climate advocates rightfully focus on dramatically reducing emissions by keeping oil, coal, and gas in the ground, corporations and governments around the world are eyeing the resources that need to come out of the ground for renewable energy systems to function. The International Energy Agency IEA, predicts skyrocketing demand for these so-called critical minerals, an early 20th-century military-industrial term revamped for the 21st-century green economy. These minerals are now the terrain of geopolitics. Or, perhaps better put, of geoeconomics, the intermingling of national security and economic policy. Seen through a geoeconomic lens, the supply chains of green technologies such as solar panels and lithium batteries are battlefields of zero-sum interstate competition. For decades, as part of neoliberal globalization and its tenets of free trade, capital mobility, and deregulation, the governments of global north countries increasingly offshored manufacturing and extraction to the global south and replaced those sectors with services, real estate, and finance. Macron flies to Moscow claiming his diplomacy will end Ukraine crisis. French President Emmanuel Macron Sunday downplayed the likelihood of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, saying in a newspaper interview that the massing of Russian forces on Ukrainian borders is likely part of a wider Kremlin strategy to secure Western concessions rather than a prelude to a full-scale offensive. The geopolitical objective of Russia today is clearly not Ukraine, but to clarify the rules of cohabitation with NATO and the EU, he told France's Le Journal de Dimanche just hours before boarding a flight to Moscow, where he will hold face-to-face -face talks Monday with Russian President Vladimir Putin. In a bold claim, Macron said his negotiations with Russia are likely to head off a military conflict. The intensity of the dialogue we have had with Russia and this visit to Moscow are likely to prevent a military operation from happening. Then we will discuss the terms of de-escalation, he said. I have always been in a deep dialogue with President Putin and our responsibility is to build historic solutions. His remarks diverge noticeably from how the Biden administration characterizes Moscow's military buildup and the danger of a Russian offensive. A Russian invasion of Ukraine could happen at any time, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Sunday, in what would be the biggest military operation in Europe since World War II. We believe that the Russians have put in place the capabilities to mount a significant military operation into Ukraine, and we have been working hard to prepare a response," Sullivan told NBC's Meet the Press show. Sullivan and other U.S. officials estimate that Russia has 70% of a strike force in place for an invasion. Macron's claim that his negotiations with Russia will prevent a military conflict prompted scorn from political foes in France who accused him of grandstanding. The nation's top health official has been a background player for much of his tenure. He says that's about to change. Stung by accusations that he's been absent during a once-in-a-century public health crisis, Xavier Becerra, the country's top health official, tells CNN he's looking to step into a bigger public role as part of a reset a year into dealing with the dominant issue in his portfolio. 
President Joe Biden has been disturbed himself with the recent string of stories, and on Friday called his Health and Human Services Secretary directly from the Oval Office to say he was pleased with the work being done and that he had Becerra's back, according to two people told about the call. This followed White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain reaching out to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus to reiterate support. On Sunday, the White House announced Becerra will join First Lady Jill Biden Wednesday on a trip to Minnesota for a listening session on childcare provisions within the administration's COVID relief package. In an exclusive interview, Becerra said he thinks the federal government's guidance on the COVID-19 pandemic has been way too confusing, and fixing that problem begins by acknowledging it. The American people don't have a lot of time to try to do the science and crunch the numbers, Becerra said. They expect the experts to give them the answer. Of course, the science around the virus is constantly changing, Becerra said, but he said administration officials need to realize that the confusion caused by how hard it's been to keep up with the guidance coming out has been counterproductive and perhaps costing lives. Here's a difference between conveying a message that's accurate and a message that's clear. How you say it can be the difference between understanding it and not, or following it and not," he said. Asked if he could accurately peg the current guidance on testing, isolation, masking and more, he offered, I probably could. For Olympic skiers, defying death and conquering injury are part of the sport. In the Bavarian Alps a famed ski course plummets two miles down the side of a mountain through a treacherous section with a steep drop nicknamed Hell. When Jackie Wiles neared the spot during the downhill on a dark afternoon four years ago, the veteran U.S. alpine skier pushed harder. She had reached the podium in the downhill two weeks earlier for the second time in her career and wasn't about to let up in her final World Cup race, held in Garmisch-Partenkirchen, Germany, before flying to the Winter Olympics in South Korea. 47 seconds into the run, Wiles skidded outside the blue dye lines that marked the optimal path down the mountain. She recovered from the wide turn for an instant, but clipped a gate, then flipped onto her right side, her left leg bent at an unnatural angle and she pinwheeled down the mountain in a spray of snow powder before coming to a stop in front of safety netting. At the finish line, Lindsay Vaughn, the most decorated female skier in history who completed the run minutes earlier, gasped, grabbed her head, then covered her eyes. Wiles tried to get up. She hopped awkwardly, then dropped to her hands and knees. She tried again, but hunched over in shock. Medical teams rushed to her aid. A helicopter lifted Wiles off the mountain as she dangled below in a rescue sled. In the 17 years that I've been with the team, said Jillian Bauer, U.S. Ski and Snowboards Director of High Performance, this is the worst knee injury I've seen. It takes a different kind of athlete to build their life around rocketing down a mountain at speeds that can top 90 miles per hour with little more than a helmet, a skin-tight racing suit and stretches of safety netting for protection. Mame Biney, first black woman to make U.S. Olympic short track speed skating team, is pioneering a new technology. Mame Biney wants to change the sport of short track speed skating for all the competitors who come after her, on and off the ice. Biney, 22, became the first black woman to qualify for a U.S. Olympic short track speed skating team ahead of the 2018 PyeongChang Olympics, when she was just 18 years old. She was also the youngest skater in the team's history. Fast forward four years, and Biney feels a responsibility to the generation of speed skaters that will follow her, knowing that she's blazing a trail in her sport. I'm very honored to have that title and I hope to use that for good and carry it with respect, Biney told me by phone. 
I think my main goal is to make sure that other young black women, especially little girls, realize anything they put their mind to is very much achievable. I really do hope that before I even stop skating that there are young black women in the sport so that I can be a role model to them. But Biney hopes to revolutionize speed skating more directly on the ice as well, namely, in changing the way skaters train forever. Heading into the Beijing Games, Biney was the first to use a revolutionary new speed skating training technology. Using motion sensors and pressure technology to capture her every move on the ice in 3D, Biney and her coach Simon Cho are hoping bring home the United States' first Olympic women's short track medal in 12 years. They are also hoping Biney can set a new world record. Russian attack on Ukraine possible any day now, but diplomacy still an option White House says. Russia could invade Ukraine within days or weeks, but could still opt for a diplomatic path, according to White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. More than 100,000 Russian troops have amassed near the border to Ukraine. Ukraine is not a NATO nation, and Russia wants the security bloc to exclude them permanently. The US and allies have threatened economic sanctions against Russia over any action against Ukraine. We are in the window. Any day now, Russia could take military action against Ukraine, or it could be a couple of weeks from now, or Russia could choose to take the diplomatic path instead, Mr. Sullivan said. If war breaks out, it will come at an enormous human cost to Ukraine, but we believe that based on our preparations and our response, it will come at a strategic cost to Russia as well. The senior advisor to U.S. President Joe Biden offered the stark warning the day after U.S. officials confirmed that Russia had assembled at least 70 percent of the military firepower it likely intended to have in place by mid-month to give President Vladimir Putin the option of launching a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Mr. Sullivan, making appearances on a trio of Sunday talk shows, did not directly address reports that the U.S. government had been briefed that a full Russian invasion could lead to the quick capture of the capital Kiev and potentially result in as many as 50,000 casualties. As Russia masses more than 100,000 troops near the border, Moscow has said it is not planning an invasion but could take unspecified military action if its security demands are not met. Those include a promise that NATO will never admit Ukraine, a demand the United States and the 30-nation Western Security Alliance have called unacceptable. U.S. lawmakers propose bipartisan probe of COVID origins, response. In the two years since COVID-19 began ravaging the United States, virtually every aspect of the pandemic has been politicized, often to the detriment of efforts to bring the disease under control and to treat its victims. Now, though, members of Congress are taking the first steps toward a bipartisan effort to understand the pandemic's origins and to assess the federal government's response. The two most senior members of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions have begun circulating a proposal to create a 12-member commission of private citizens with broad authority to investigate the origins of the disease and how the Trump and Biden administrations responded to it. The initiative appears to have broad support among members of both parties. The two lawmakers, Health Committee Chair Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, and the committee's senior Republican, Richard Burr of North Carolina, have modeled the effort on the commission that was created to investigate the origins of the 9-11 terrorist attacks of 2001. That body won bipartisan praise for its exhaustive analysis of the events leading up to the attacks. The proposal is part of a larger piece of legislation called the Prepare for and Respond to Existing Viruses, Emerging New Threats, and Pandemics Act, or the Prevent Pandemics Act, for short. In addition to creating the task force, 
The bill would expand the capacity of public health agencies to respond to disease outbreaks, boost research and development, and strengthen the supply chain for medical products. National Task Force The panel proposed in the bill would be known as the National Task Force on the Response of the United States to the COVID-19 pandemic, and would have the authority to issue subpoenas to compel testimony and the disclosure of records as necessary for the investigation. Mother of teen slain in Cicero still seeking justice after 11 years. Time doesn't heal all wounds, for the last 11 years, Rosa Sanders has brought birthday balloons to the grave of her son, just 15 when he was shot and killed steps from his home in Cicero. She started with 16 balloons and has added an extra balloon each year for the age he would have been if he were still alive. For most of those years, she has dutifully called detectives and asked once again if they were any closer to finding Kevin Anthony Sanders' killer. The answer is always no. Police say they have reopened the Sanders case at least three times but have found no credible witnesses to the shooting in the alley of the 1600 block of 55th court days before Thanksgiving in 2010. I believe someone saw what happened and is too scared to come forward, Sanders said. I know it was raining and it was dark already, but there's always someone that saw something. I know if it was their family member, their child, they would want somebody to come forward, she added. That aspect has been very difficult to live with. The strain of grieving for her son while waiting for justice has taken a heavy toll. Sanders questioned her faith and even wondered about ending what her life had become. While her family has pulled her from the brink, Sanders said these past holidays were hard as she watched her two youngest children open Christmas presents, as happy as she remembers Kevin Anthony was. There's always that empty seat, that empty chair at the table, Sanders, 44, told the Sun-Times. There's always that question of, who would you be today? Would you have kids of your own? Last month in Chicago, a mother's plea for justice for her slain eight-year-old daughter was answered by an arrest within days of the shooting. But for mothers like Sanders, the wait seems endless. Elizabeth Ramirez knows how that makes grief all the harder to bear. She lost her son a decade ago and formed a group to counsel and support parents. UK's major year of sport and culture to be showcased at Expo 2020 Dubai with Culture Secretary visit. Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries and Minister for Exports Mike Freer to lead the government's delegation at UK National Day at Expo 2020 Dubai. Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games will be showcased to a global audience at Expo as the UK gets set for the Games. The Queen's Baton Relay and the Birmingham 2022 Business and Tourism Programme will be landmark fixtures of UK National Day celebrations. Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries and Minister for Exports Mike Freer will promote the UK's blockbuster year of sport and cultural events at Expo 2020 Dubai on UK National Day as the Queen's Baton Relay makes an historic visit to the region. Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games, and Unboxed, Creativity in the UK will showcase global Britain on the world stage and be a driving force for international tourism, trade and investment to the UK this year. Their visit comes as the government confirms the UK is now one of the strongest and most open economies in Europe, as testing and quarantine restrictions end for fully vaccinated visitors. As part of the Birmingham 2022 showcase at Expo, the Queen's Baton Relay will attend UK National Day alongside His Royal Highness the Duke of Cambridge to bring Commonwealth nations attending Expo 2020 Dubai together in anticipation for the upcoming Games. 
After Expo 2020, the Batten will continue on its 72-nation tour before arriving in Birmingham for the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games on July 28. Nadine Dorries, Secretary of State for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, says, 2022 is set to be an incredible year of celebration for the UK, with three amazing global events on home soil. The arrival of the Queen's Baton Relay in Dubai will help build excitement about Birmingham 2022, the Platinum Jubilee and Unboxed. COVID in Europe, an updated list of travel restrictions for every European country. Most countries have travel restrictions in place in a bid to control the spread of COVID-19. The latest big changes include, the EU has recommended that from February 1st anyone traveling from within the bloc will need only a basic Green Pass health certificate, which can be obtained via vaccination, recovery, or a recent negative COVID test, and remove the need for self-isolation. However, not all countries have stated that they will adopt this rule, so check with your destination. Greece removes testing requirements for vaccinated travelers from February 7th. Face masks are no longer mandatory in the UK. Travelers to the Netherlands with a booster vaccine will no longer have to quarantine from February 2nd. Denmark and Norway lift all domestic travel restrictions from February 1st. Switzerland and Austria have relaxed travel restrictions for UK travelers. Sweden has dropped the requirement for proof of a negative test from arrivals. This article is updated regularly, but rules change quickly so please check official government advice before traveling. Albania. Measures to contain COVID-19 remain in effect, including nighttime curfews from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., and mandatory face masks indoors and on public transport. All land borders are open and there is no restricted movement around the country. All foreign nationals over the age of six must have one of the following, proof of vaccination, a negative PCR test taken less than 72 hours before arrival, a rapid antigen test taken less than 48 hours before arrival or evidence that you have recovered from COVID-19 within the last six months. Andorra. Access to Andorra requires passing through either Spain or France, so check their travel restrictions, too, before planning your trip. Travel to and from the country is open, but masks are still required in indoor spaces. Andorra also asks that social distancing be respected. The World Headlines